There's a chance for Mule and Burroughs. They score! And the Mules score! Scores! Three in a row for the Mules! Duke has to put it up at the buzzer! It's good! And the Mules win it! Coming to you from Allentown, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Mule and Mules podcast. Each episode, we'll talk to the coaches, staff, athletes, and alumni who make up the Muhlenberg Athletics family and are proud to call themselves Mules. And welcome back to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. February is Black History Month, and throughout this month, we will be joining the Muhlenberg Office of Multicultural Life in celebrating the rich history and contributions of black people to the world, the United States of America, and to Muhlenberg College. Our guest today is Kenyamo McFarlane, a 2000 graduate of Muhlenberg, where he played both football and basketball. After some time away, he returned to his alma mater two years ago as assistant director of admissions. Kenyamo, welcome to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, we're, this this isn't going to be the, the whole topic we talk about, but can't can't go too far without talking about all the snow that we got the last last couple of days. Uh, 26.9 inches at the airport. It's crazy. I look out the, my window and it's over two feet and I, I let my dogs out this morning. They were, you know, leaping like rabbits to try and find sp- spaces to do their duty. So it's definitely exciting times out here in, in Pennsylvania with all this snow. But I got some good neighbors. Like I was saying, I got some great neighbors that are helping me out with snow blowing stuff. So I don't have to do too much shoveling. You're from New York originally, but you went to school in New Hampshire. Yes. Uh, and I imagine you experienced some some huge snowfalls when you were going to school in New Hampshire. Yeah, actually, my very first uh, winter up there, I, I went to Proctor Academy. I went there from my sophomore to my senior years. And my very first winter up there in New Hampshire, in the middle of New Hampshire, it was it was so much snow. It was still snow in May. As, as <laughs> and I, I felt like every couple of days, it was just a couple inches of snow that came down. But you would think that, you know, we have a snow day. Nope, no snow days ever. You know, being in a boarding school, you know, you're, you're right there on campus anyway. So they didn't have to, they had no reason to cancel, cancel anything. So it was very uh, eye-opening <laughs> and um, maybe a little bit um, traumatizing the first couple of days. But then you get used to it. And, you know, you got sort of accustomed to all the snow. Snow banks were at least 10, 12 feet high and just all over the place. So you got a little... A little sad, but good thing I had basketball to take my mind off the snow. So we bundled up walking through, walking through the snow to the gym, take everything off and just, just hooping it up in the winter. Oh, and, and speaking of basketball, Kenyama, one of the interesting things about your career as an athlete at Muhlenberg is that you played football and basketball. You know, there was a time when, yep. you know, all the best athletes played uh, football, basketball, baseball, football, basketball, track. You know, they were mm-hmm. athletes the year round that, that, that we kind of went away from that at some point. You know, and actually you're, you're really the last Muhlenberg athlete who really played football and basketball for all four years. Don't mean to make you feel old. No, but, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a savvy veteran, as I like to say. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean. Thinking back on that, obviously, it's very difficult. The two seasons are, are back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, football, a very physically demanding sport. Basketball is too. Just looking back, what was your thinking about most athletes choose one or the other? What was your thinking on deciding to play both? It's, it's always one of those things that people always ask me, like, what do you like better or what would you prefer? And you, you could have asked me that question every day for a whole year, and I would give you a different answer every single day. And I think it really depends on, depended on – uh, what time of of year you ask me that question? Like if you ask me during football season, I would say football. 
if you'd asked me towards the end of football season, I started getting geared up for basketball season. It was definitely, um, I, lo- I loved them both. There was, there was no possible way for me to choose one. I loved them so much. I continued to coach it, you know, at once I graduated Muhlenberg. So I, I just, I had a blast playing football. I actually didn't start playing organized tackle football my, until my sophomore year in high school. And when I got up to Proctor, we didn't have organized football. At least I never got into it when I was, you know, in New York City. All the football I played was just pickup football, you know, two-hand touch or tackle in the grass, wherever. But I never got a chance to put the pads on in the helmet. So going to Proctor was my first experience playing football. And I literally played three years in high school. And after my last game, my senior year, I told my college counselor the very next day, I said, listen, I'm trying, I want to play football in college. I don't care where. I just still felt like I had a lot of juice left and a lot more to learn, a lot more to give. And Newlinburg ended up being on that list with a bunch of other schools and everything worked out perfectly where I ended up coming to Muhlenberg. But then when I came to campus during uh, June advising, I was still dead set on, on figuring out a way to walk on the basketball. Because Coach Madeira at the time had no clue who I was. So when I got to campus for June advising, I sought him out, went right up to him, introduced myself, told him who I was, told him, hey, I'm here to play football, but I would love to play basketball as well. So he was like, hey, when, whenever football is over, come on out and, and we'll, we'll see what you got. Honestly, I, I, if Coach Madeira was here, I, I would love to know this answer. I don't think he really thought I was going to come out because at that time, you know, we had guys, we had Matt Schneider, Chris Kenny, Eric Nelstein, Scott Nielsen, Pat Loftus, Joe Melagrana, all these guys, George Lutz, all these guys were recruited to play basketball. And it was a big class. So it was about seven or eight guys. So I think in his mind, he was probably like, yeah, he's probably not going to come out. Right. Lo and behold, football season was over for me. I came out that very next that very next week and showed up. And I think his face was pure shock. He was like, oh, you're coming out. <laughs> so got a chance to pretty much walk on. I played a lot of JV, practiced with varsity. Um, and then my sophomore year, got a chance to start and then just continued on from that point forward. Yeah, sophomore year, not only started, but, uh, you know, a member of a, of a conference championship team. Yeah. Why do you think nobody's nobody's done it? I mean, it, it was unusual at the time you did it. Why, why, why do you think nobody's ha, ha, has done it since? I, I think and, and I've had a lot of experience, you know, on the coaching side, uh, coaching, you know, single at single sport athletes, multiple sport athletes. I think it's the specialization. That's really what it's come down to. Students feel like if they're not doing that sport year round, someone else who is, they're getting better. They're getting more looks. They're getting more experience. Uh, and they're going to get those opportunities that, you know, this multi-sport athlete isn't. And, I, and I've gone back and forth for years on, you know, the pros and cons. And, and, and I always come up with this. I, I was at a school, Bishop O'Connell, down in Arlington, uh, Virginia, where there was tons of great athletes that went through there. Single sport athletes, great basketball players, guys that went off to play in the league, guys like Kendall Marshall, Mark Skinyard, Jason Clark guys that went to big time, you know, athletic programs like UNC and Georgetown. And I was always like, yo, you would be a great football player. But even as I spoke to them about it, they, their, their number one goal was basketball. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know what, these, these, these boys, these young men, their, their goal is basketball. They, they're only basketball. So put them on a football field or somewhere else. They would obviously athletically be talented, but their heart wouldn't be in it. And if your heart's not in it, that's when you get hurt. That's when, you know, you find out, you know, you end up being an athlete that you're not going to be or end up being. So I think students who really love and have a passion for that sport, they should play it. If they really want to play it, they should play it. But for having someone having someone else talk them into it, it's not, not the right way to do it. And I think that specialization really has caused people to say, 
if I want to go far in this in this sport, whether it's D1, going to pros, play overseas, whatever, I need to put my eggs in all this in this one basket. But also, yeah, I, mean, I think students are, are specializing way too early. I think I see students seven, eight, nine years old put all their eggs in basketball or baseball or softball or soccer. And I think doing one sport year round for some athletes is great, but some other athletes, I think it's not good because I think it, it puts too much stress on their muscles. They don't really learn how to not be the man or the woman in that sport. Like when I played basketball, perfect example, you know, I went from high school being a you know, star to stud basketball player. So I had to work my way into becoming what I was on a basketball court at Muhlenberg. So right. I learned how to be, you know, the, the, the role player. You know, I think that's a great role to play as an athlete because you learn, you know, how to be a, a great teammate, how to be a server, how to help others out. And, and when, you, when I went to the football field, I appreciated that because I had to work for everything in basketball. Not like I didn't have to in football, but it was just, it was a little different. So I think all those factors led me to be the best version of for myself in both sports. So I, I worked my butt off on a basketball court because I had to. And on a football field, I knew that at any point I could get injured. So I made sure I made the best of every situation. But I right. think specialization has really ruined the multi-sport athlete. And and for some athletes, it's great to play multiple sports. For others, I don't, I don't think it's good. Yeah, we've seen actually some coaches, uh, Urban Meyer, probably one of the most uh, well-known, come out against specialization and, and talking about how good it is. I, I think he's been quoted as saying, like, he actively seeks players who have played another sport. For sure. But um, uh, I, I don't know uh, if we can peer into the crystal ball and maybe see that maybe there'll be a time when when that will be a little bit more common for someone to play play both football and so. basketball. Because I think I think I think multi-sport athletes, I think they can use both sports for for the benefit of the other one. And I'm gonna use myself as a perfect example. When I played football, I was I'm you know a receiver, so quickness, speed, agility, those kind of things. You know, playing basketball actually helped me out as a football player, you know, being able to get open against a defensive back, you know, those kind of things. Just the quickness, that first step stuff, you know, on a basketball court helped me out with, with football. Now, when I flipped it, being a physical receiver, you know, when I played basketball, I was a very physical player. I love defense. I love getting banging around with the big guys. So I wasn't afraid when I went in for a layup or a dunk. I wasn't afraid of getting fouled because I got hit by linebackers and safeties and defensive linemen. So getting hit and getting bumped wasn't a big thing for me. So that actually helped me out on the basketball court, both offensively and defensively, and just mental-wise. mental So overall, I think one sport can help the other out perfectly if, if you really understand how to use the other sports attributes for your advantage. But again, at the end of the day, you got to have that love and passion for either sport. If you don't have it, it's not going to work out. How tired were you at the end of basketball season those four years <laughs> after, after <laughs> um, having going pretty much nonstop from... You yeah, know, August I, through February. I tell you what, I, I wasn't really that tired because, you know, as a receiver, I ran all the time. So conditioning wasn't a big factor to me. But actually coming from football to basketball, I, it was definitely a different kind of conditioning. Because with basketball, it's short, quick bursts. It's a five-yard run here, a 10-yard sprint here, you know, on the basketball court. And you're constantly moving. Whereas with football, you know, you, you huddle up, you know, you run to your line of scrimmage, you wait. You do your sprint, you, you slow down, you speed up, and then you jog back to the huddle and you wait and do it again. Scott McClary, who was, was one of the assistant coaches, he used to make fun of me all the time about football versus basketball. He always used to say, football players get breath, uh, breaks and rests, you know, throughout the course of a game. Basketball players, they're always constantly running. So, like, you got to be in better shape for basketball. I was like, eh, I, 
guess I see a little bit of it, but I was like, Scott, I was a receiver, so I was always running. He was like, yeah, you're different, but those other guys, they, they had to get <laughs> more breaks. So, but it's definitely lots of different conditioning, but there's definitely benefits of playing both sports. But I definitely had to get myself in shape on a basketball court. The first, the first two weeks of conditioning basketball-wise, I was winded. It took me a while to get my, my basketball win back. Actually, uh, cross-country runners actually have to run you know, 25 to 30 minutes without a break. So let's, uh, let's, let's give it up for the cross country. Oh yeah. Cross country. Yeah. A completely different type of, that's a whole nother type of conditioning that I'm always in awe of. So you're, you're back at Muhlenberg. Mm -hmm. You're now the uh, assistant director of admissions for Muhlenberg. Just curious when you go out and talk to prospective Muhlenberg students, if you see on their, their resume that they've played both football and basketball in high school, is that something that you've talked to, uh, to students about? Yeah, I de it definitely comes up. Um, part of my introduction, I let them know that I'm an alumni and all the things I did, you know, in, in sports, you know, at Muhlenberg and outside. So the, uh, a couple of the athletes that um, that I get a chance to speak with, their sort of eyes, they get raised like, oh, you played two sports. Um, and so I always get a kick out of their their looks. And they always ask me questions on uh, like, what was your experience like on the field and, and how was it when you were here? So it's always fun to reminisce with the potential students, talking to them about my career. And I also give them a little bit of a jab. I tell them the Life Sports Center, all the things that they have, the beautiful Life Sports Center that's behind me in my Zoom background. I tell them all the time, I'm like, listen, the reason you all have these wonderful facilities is because of all the exploits that I did on the football field, on the basketball court. I bled for you all. I sweated and I cried for you guys for all these wonderful facilities. So take advantage of them and appreciate them. So they get good laughs out of that. But um, it's always fun to talk to the, the potential athletes because – I tell them all the time also that, hey, it's a great opportunity to, for you to not only be in a great institution academically, but be able to be coached by and, and, and play with and against some great Division three athletes. And, and students who are talking to us, they, they understand Division three, but I give them that little bit of extra, tell them, listen, it's not like high school. It's, it's definitely at college athletics. There's some great athletes, some great component, opponents, great coaches. So you're definitely going to get your feel of college sports. And also I tell them students, any level you go, it's going to get more and more intense. It's going to get more and more impactful. So when you go from middle school to high school, the, the intensity level goes up. When you go from high school to college, it goes up. So whether it's one, two, three, JUCO, NAIA, whatever it is, you're, going to, you're playing college sports. You're among the elite of the elite athletes. So enjoy it, take advantage of it, and appreciate it as well. Yeah, and, um, you know, admissions, um, as, as pretty much any uh... – any profession is these days has had to adjust to the changing times, you know, with COVID, the uncertainties of, of, of even attending college, virtual classes yeah. and all that stuff. What has that been like for your office trying to kind of like roll that roll with the punches and all the different uh, decisions? And, and, and Yeah. So we've uh, our office has done an outstanding job of doing lots of I know the, the, the word that we use a lot is pivoting. And Pivot, I know yeah. it's giggle because that's for me, that's a that's a sports reference. I'm like, yeah, basketball, right? You. You're yeah, a power like, forward. You know all about pivoting. Yeah, so I'm like, wait a minute. You guys are using it way wrong, but it's, it's it's funny how people use those kind of words nowadays. But, yeah, we've been in emissions. There's been a lot of a lot of change, lots of uh, rolling with the punches, lots of adjustments on the fly. But uh, I think we've done a great job of, number one, staying in the constant communication with, with everyone. I think communication makes things a lot easier and, and helps eliminate any kind of cross wires, any kind of miscommunication. Students have come to the table late, I think, because of COVID. There's lots of uncertainty. 
But as of late, over the past month of January, our mission staff has interviewed over 500 potential students. And I think the interview process has, has been great and beneficial because I think we do a great job as, a, as an institution of, of really building relationships with, with, our, with our, our, our students and our faculty and staff. So not having that opportunity to connect with families and students has been difficult because we're used to getting, you know, getting them interviews in face-to-face or talking to them during tours or info sessions. So we've had to do lots of virtual stuff and virtually you, you sort of lose that sort of face-to-face, that touch. But having these interviews, having ways to connect with students in other ways, students have done a great job of coming to the table excited and excited and getting a chance to talk to us and, and learning more about us. And also for us getting a chance to learn about them as well. So that part of it has been little bit more difficult but I think now that you know 2020 is now over with the election and things are starting to get back to some sense of normalcy with the vaccine rollout students now are starting to come to the table like all right college is now a possibility um now that we've had a great fall semester from last year hopefully the spring is going to be just as successful hopefully next fall 2021 we'll have everybody back on campus so we've had to do lots of adjusting and pivoting but I think we've done a great job of that because we still are connecting and reaching out and, and rolling out different events and programs to be able to connect with students and families, to, to let them know what we have going on on our campus all across the board. So it's been, it's been difficult and challenging, but I think we've rose to the challenge and really tried to find different ways to, to make that impact and to bring Muhlenberg to these different families and, and students. Yeah, and we were talking before about how, you know, actually may have found that this is might be a better way to do some some stuff virtually mm-hmm. where you can connect with more people on a single day because you don't have to uh, deal with the uh, DC Beltway travel. Uh, I tell you what, I'm I've been blessed with being able to to go back down to the DC area and possess my recruiting territory. So last year was my first go round in doing recruiting. So I can't tell you how much I did not miss the the DC traffic. Uh, and, you know, it's just crazy getting around there at, at, at all times. It's just, it's hard to find a right time to get out there. But now that we've been virtual this past fall, we've really gotten a chance to, to get out and around other and more schools. But again, not having to fight that traffic, like on, on, under normal circumstances, we probably were able to visit like maybe four or five schools. But now virtually we can visit six, seven, sometimes even eight schools. Because again, we're just hitting a button click talking to students for a half hour, 40 minutes, you know, counselors. And then you, I, I can go from Virginia to D.C., back to Virginia to Maryland with, within the course of a day uh, and visit eight or nine schools. So it's definitely been beneficial. But again, with that, sometimes some students aren't able to show up or they don't show up because they, get, they got Zoom fatigue. And that, and that is a real thing. Students, adults like us, you know, sitting in front of a computer screen all day is never fun. So, you know, after I'm done here, I'm going to go out and do some more shoveling myself because I got to <laughs> take out of this foot snowmageddon we have. But it's definitely been different. But uh, being able to connect with lots more schools and school districts has been fun and, and able to, to see other opportunities that we can get into at in admissions and as a school because it gives us a chance to connect with other pockets of individuals and other schools that we want to bring on our campus. So it's been fun and, and, and insightful as well. Right, right. We're talking with uh, Kenyamo McFarland, class of 2000 at Muhlenberg, now back at Muhlenberg, working in the admissions office, helping to bring hopefully some future mules to campus. So we like to finish up all our podcasts by asking some getting to know you type questions. So let's roll these on by you, Kenyamo. Uh, all right, let's go. All, I'm ready. I've been, I've been licking my chops waiting for these. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. What is your favorite quote? 
Oh, my favorite quote is uh, my wife's going to make fun of me when she hears this because she's asked me all the time. It's, it's Carpe Diem. It's Seize the Day. It's one of those. I, it's a quote that I, I fell in love with when I was in high school. And I used to say it every day after our student council meeting in Muhlenberg. It's one of those quotes that I always adhere to. It's more on, a, on athletic field as well because I've, I've played with and against tons of different athletes. And that injury bug is always one of those things that every athlete is worried about that season ending injury or that career ending injury. Knock on wood, luckily, I'm knock on wood like I'm still playing. Uh, I've never had <laughs> one of those major, you know, debilitating injuries. I, you know, I have my fair share, but not never that big one. So that carpe diem phrase always rang true with me because I always left everything on a field and court every time I stepped out there, whether it's practice, games, you know, sprints, you know, when Coach Donnelly, rest in peace, when he had uh, Monday condo days, we had to do, you know, 40-yard dashes or 100-yard or dashes or whatever it was, sometimes at the end of practice, sometimes at the beginning of practice. He would always mess with us. So I always made sure that I was, was in the lead because if I, if I fell, fell short, he would always yell at me or somebody else, one of my teammates would always yell and scream about me being in second place. So, But I say all those things to say you have, never want to leave any plays out there. So I always made sure that whatever play it was, I, I left it out there because – that play could have been the last play I ever played. So Carpe Diem is one of my favorite quotes. That's also from very prominent in the movie Dead Poets Society, which I believe was filmed down in, in, in that area, right? Is that correct? I think it was somewhere in, I think in, in Delaware, maybe. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. I want to definitely check that out again. But yeah, love that quote. And there's always something easy to say and, and it, it rang true for me. Who inspires you to be better? Ooh, I think with that one, um, Initially, when I was in college and, and stuff was, was my, my parents, my family, uh, just because just doing things for them has always I've been it always made me feel proud that they, they supported me and that they were there for me through thick and thin. So family's always ones that uh, ring true and, and definitely supported me now as, as an adult, as a father, as a husband, it's my wife and my kid, uh, my wife, because she's always been supportive of me and she always challenges me and, and really pushes me beyond I think things that I thought I could do. And then my son, because I look at him as, as the future, as the second coming, so to speak, and uh, somebody that has tons of energy. He loves all sports. The other day, he brought a little tear to my eye. You know, he said, you know, we're watching TV cartoons, something on Disney. He goes, football. I was like, what? He's like, football. I was like, you want to watch football? He goes, yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, like, there's no football on right now. So I had to, like, go to, like, the NFL Network to watch something. But the fact that he wants to watch football and loves sports, like we wrestle and he throws balls. So he's definitely uh, one of my motivations to, to keep things going because, you know, he just has such a great amount of energy. And then I want to make sure that all the things I do is, is, is for him and making him happy and my wife. Oh, that's great. Is, is, is he a future mule? He's a future of everything. He's, he's a, he's a, <laughs> he's hilarious. He's athletic. He's got, He's got a, he's an actor. He's, he's like a great actor. I don't know why he, he does a little bit of everything. He'll, he'll do whatever he wants to do. And everyone, I have lots of uh, buddies of mine who are coaches and stuff. So he came out, he was born 10 pounds, five ounces. So he was a very large child and he's already, he's only two and he looks like a four or five year old. So uh. he's already got recruiting people, recruiting him. You know, one of my good buddies already says he's already come to my school. I'm like, all right, whatever. So <laughs> he's definitely got offers already. So I got to, I got to mitigate that and, and got to play the, the, the supportive dad role. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. If you could sit down for a meal with any person living or past, who would you pick? First person that comes to my mind is my grandmother. Uh, she passed away about, 
say 11 years ago or something like that uh, of a, a long battle of, with breast cancer. And uh, she's, she's always been supportive of me when, ever since I was a child. And anytime I went and visited her, when I came back from home from Muhlenberg or after I graduated, I came and visited her in the nursing home. She would always have a huge smile on her face and we would sit and talk for hours about pretty much everything and anything. So just being able to just sit and talk with her and laugh with her would be would be wonderful. And also because she was such a a powerful, you know, powerful woman, you know, in the civil rights age. I know we just started Black History Month yesterday. All the things that we've gone through this past year with, you know, social justice and the BLM movement and and all this crazy political stuff we've had and had to go through. I think she would be really upset at what happened, but sort of happy because, you know, progress, no, no, without any kind of struggle, there's not going to be any kind of progress. And she definitely was on the forefront of that, that struggles during civil rights days. And she's had, she had to endure lots of, you know, negative things because of who she was as a person, what she looked like. Unfortunately, my mom had to deal with that. And unfortunately, I had to deal with it a little bit. So the hope and goal is that as generations start to evolve, those kind of issues, racial issues that, you know, my, my family had to go through when they were younger and coming up, you know, they, they've become less and less because of our societies become more tolerant and more accepting and, and just better people. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all want the same things. We want life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And we all want great things for ourselves and our, and our future generations. So hopefully all this social justice things that we're all working towards. And again, we're not there yet. We have lots of work to do, but I think, the fact that we've all had these tough conversations over these last couple of months, the fact that we've had, you know, had to endure these things over the last couple of months, I think we're going to come out on the other side better because of it. And hopefully we'll come out of it better because we're going to be together throughout all of it. Very well said, Kenyamo. One last question before we let you go so you can go out and do some more shoveling. Oh, I can't um, wait for that. <laughs> if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Such a fun question. An easy answer would be Denzel because he's a hell of an actor. He's a great, just like thespian, but he just has a great, uh, he, and he's a New Yorker too. So I'd love to have somebody from New York play me, but I think he's a little bit older. And, and again, you know, with my age, I want somebody a little bit younger. So I don't know. There's so many actors out there that are great actors. Will Smith would be a great guy. Jamie Foxx is a heck of an actor. I think it'd have to be one of those three just because they're actors and they're, they're, their ability to really go into their, to be really into that role. And that, not that I have a, a wonderful story or a crazy story, but, you know, I think I have some fun stuff I think they, they could tackle. So I think one of those three, Denzel, Jamie Foxx, or Will Smith. And again, they're easy on the eyes too. So the ladies would love it. So you got to have a little bit of everything. Just like that, you, right? Yeah, look, I, I guess you said it. I didn't, but yes. <laughs> They'd also have to be able to dunk as well as you as you did. They got to be able to dunk, you know, and I can't wait to get out there and dunk again, you know, after this this whole quarantine and pandemic is over with. I got to get out there and play some new. All right. Kenyama McFarland, Muhlenberg Class of 2000, currently a member of the Muhlenberg Department of Admissions. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Loved yeah. it. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. Thank you all for listening. Go Mules. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is a production of the Muhlenberg Office of Athletic Communications with Joe Widener, Zoe Keim, and Marty the Mule. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at mulespodcast at muhlenberg.edu or call our pod line at 484-664-4001 and leave a message. We will answer questions in future episodes. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is available on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review us and recommend us to your friends. 
For the latest in Muhlenberg College athletics, please follow us on social media at M-U-H-L underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Until next week, go Go Mules. Mules!